Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast, and welcome back to HQ. Ten weeks. Ten weeks at home on Skype. And it feels good to be back. I mean, we're here in New Jersey. I live in New York. Both states are starting to enter those phase two and phase three of reopening. We're still doing the right thing. Very limited here. It's just us and Jeremy back there working the controls. But um, it just feels good. It's felt good to be back on the course. In a second, I want to talk about, speaking of back on the course, Berkshire Valley we just played. What a tremendous Munich. You like that course. Huh? I like it that. I want beautiful. to go back. So I want to talk about that yep. in a second. But today what we're going to talk about is the fundamentals of a good pitch shot. Um, again, I've said this before, but the more I learn this game, and if you're new to the podcast, if you're new to Golficity, um, you might not know that we're, we're not pros. Uh, we're not We're not instructors. We're just guys who love the game and we love to learn the game. And as I learn it, my process, man, am I finding that short game is where it's at. Right. Your short game was, was deadly the Deadly other day good. and mm -hmm. it just when that's on it's just you can do so much more with your entire game that's right because you just feel more confident that you like if you don't hit your green or whatever you can be more aggressive with certain shots because you can just rely on that short game to get you close when you need to absolutely and a big part of that is a pitch shot so i want to talk about that before we do of course we want to thank our sponsor titleist a lot of you often ask you say, where's what does that tt stand for you've probably seen it on the right. bag maybe on some of the hats even the, the balls even on the tees we've mm -hmm. got a couple tt tees mm -hmm. that i've been uh kind of cherishing keeping on the side there but what it stands for is team titleist we're proud to be uh we're proud to be a part of it and titleist offers many exciting and exclusive opportunities to its team titleist members but to be part of the team you have to join team titleist but here's the good news it's free to do so uh team titleist gives you access to opportunities like prototype testing a lot of you saw when we had the the white not marked uh balls before the the 20 19 Pro V1s came out and they were mm -hmm. sending them to the Team Titleist members. A lot of you asked where we got those. It's from being part of Team Titleist. They've got special events. We did one at Five Iron Golf, which was just killer. That's where you won your... Um that's where I got my uh, scorecard holder. Your scorecard holder. Love holding. that thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so a lot of you say, where can you get it? This is all, it's all, you have to be part of Team Titleist for a chance to get it. Uh, so sign up and join Team Titleist at titleist.com slash Team Titleist. That's one word, titleist.com slash Team Titleist. Like I said, it's going to take you about a minute to sign up. It's free. And then you're going to get those perks of being part of the Simple team. Simple enough. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about this Berkshire Valley, which is in, Morris County, mm -hmm. right? New Jersey. Municipal golf course. I believe it's Morris. Yeah. Is it Morris? I think so. What, it it's, is. It's, and it's what's the, uh, the town over there? The town it's is Oak, Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge. Correct. Um, I don't know how this place was under my radar, especially my brother who doesn't golf, but he lives in a mile down the road. Yeah. You never place. knew about it. It's, it's a and I never knew about it. And I roll up and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. It was like deja vu. Like I had been there before. Mm -hmm. And then I realized it's because of so many pictures that you've taken while right. you were there mm -hmm. that have made their way onto golf visiting one way or another. It's a beautiful but, course. It's very wow. picturesque. Yeah. Because of the elevations. Elevations. And it reminded me so much of London links right. when we were in, in Scotland, because you had all those, those holes that start up, you know, up high mm -hmm. and then you work your way down and, and then it just, it truly is a tale of two nines. You know, the front nine, you know, very straight, uh, parkland style protected by trees on both sides and then you make your way down to the back nine and water everywhere yeah you know, some holes it's on left and mm -hmm. right um and it, it you know it was a challenge especially when the wind kicked up 
challenging. It did get windy. And you notice those first couple of holes, like you were saying, which is interesting about this course is that if you miss right, there is no other fairway where you could play it from. You miss right, you're out. Yeah. You miss left, yeah. you're out. Like it's it's like a straight shoot. And then how about that uh, par three? I think it's the second hole. It's like 235 yards. A lot of long par threes. Yes. That one, yeah, yeah right, I stepped on like, Mike, what is this, a drivable par four? Yeah. You're like, no, dude, this, <laughs> this is a par, par three. three. <laughs> and then there was the long one over the water. Um, and we didn't even tip it out. We didn't play the blacks. We played the blues. That's right. Yeah, you, that's right. We played blue. If you play those blacks, I mean, that that's like a 250 shot. It's a driver par three. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we had a little spin on the, on the day. We didn't play a regular round of golf. We did. We did. And it was, a, it was a one that we had a lot of fun doing. I think it was last year. I think we did this. But we did the Stealing Clubs Challenge. And it was something that a recommendation that had come from you guys. Uh, we said, what kind of challenges do you want to see? And you said, play match play, but you steal the clubs. And, and when we originally did it, we read it wrong. We thought it when you win a hole, the reward was that you get to steal a club from the other guy, taking a club out of his bag. So now he's playing with 13. Then we realized when we reread it after the fact that no, it's to even the score. So when you lose a hole, you steal a club. So last time we played win a hole, steal a club. This time we played lose a hole, steal a club. I won't give it away who won. What I will tell you is like all of our stuff, it really came down to the wire at the end. It came down right to the end, man. But I love it because I love the strategy. Not only is it just fun, mm-hmm. but it, you'll learn because you learn why you need certain clubs. And then, and it's funny because we play together so often, we kind of know each other's strengths and weaknesses. So we know what club to steal. Right. You know, and, and you, you try to get in the other guy's head by getting something out of his bag or you try to steal something back for you. Um, but I, one thing I will say is that I, I ended up playing the entire round with no driver. That's right. You played. You didn't hit driver once, right? No, because by the time that's the right. match had ended, uh, you know, I won't. I don't want to give away too much, yeah. but the match had ended on the seventeenth, and we just kind of had fun playing the eighteenth, and that was the first time that's I hit first driver. Time you used driver, and it's great about the strategy part because I remember getting up to I believe it was like the fourteenth or fifteenth hole, and I had your driver, and I knew it was a long par five, and I just took your three wood too. Yes. So I was forcing you to go. I think like I don't know hybrid six iron whatever, taking you out of your comfort zone. So that's what's cool about it. And uh, yeah, man, a lot of but fun. But as a learning experience, you taking that driver away from me was the best thing that could have happened because mm-hmm. I learned to hit a club that I don't like, which is my three wood. And I think that I don't like it because I don't use it enough. I don't rely on it. And this is something that goes back. I mean, even before we went to Scotland, I remember talking to to Jen, who's an incredible golfer on the ShotScope team. And she was helping me. She was running through my ShotScope data. And she's like looking for holes, like where I can improve. And she said, you got you to gotta make the three wood your friend. Yeah. She goes, I, I see your usage is way down. This is a club that you can benefit from. And I just kind of like... I'm either driver or like in a lot of cases, like I'm close enough with my hybrid that I don't need those extra couple of yards and I put it away, but it took a, a hole or two, but I started hitting that three wood off, off the, you know, in the tee box and I was controlling it better, hitting you more see? fairways. Yeah. You know, I felt so good. So you like it now. It felt good. I, mean, I don't know if I go dude, so far as say I'm going to marry it, but it, I it's, think it's, I'm I'm borderline marriage with my three wood. Yeah, I mean about third. I'm looking at my shot scope data. Third hole. Remember that one where right we were talking to that beverage cart lady and yeah. I stepped up. Two hundred fifty four yards. Wow. Three wood. Beautiful. That is beautiful. But I keep telling you this: if you swung your driver like the you way swing I swing the, the three wood, because <laughs> the fact is you're 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 not as confident with the three wood, so you have a more controlled swing. But then with the driver, you just show used to blasting yes. it. So you, you know, and I, I noticed on that one par four where you're like, as soon as it's a par four that's reachable, your driver swing changes. Yep. But your tempo the rest of the day was like crit. You know, it did it feel good. good. Yep. I mean, that is something to build on this, especially this early in the season. Yeah, for sure. 
I felt good out there. I didn't feel good at Black Bear. I felt good at Hollowbrook. I skipped it at Black Bear against these guys. Yeah. I didn't yeah. bring my A game that Black day. Black Bear but. and another tough course, tree line, yep. whatever. But I guess think I think the takeaway is not only from the entertainment value. I hope you guys enjoy the video when you see it. But again, as a learning experience, like do some of this stuff with your your buddies when you're out there playing. Like try these things that push you out of your comfort zone. Try something that makes you hit clubs you don't normally hit. You know, three club challenge, one club challenge, or this where you're taking clubs out of the bag and, you know, eliminate this club or whatever it may be. Or do it to yourself. Maybe say, you know, I'm just not, like in my case, I'm not comfortable enough with my three wood. Maybe I'm just going to leave the driver home for a round. Right. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I can't fall back on it. Even if, if, my, if I don't have the willpower alone, just keep it. My driver's not there and I've got to hit my three wood. Whatever it is, it's what's going to help. Or if you don't want to do it from a scoring standpoint because you're saying I don't play enough golf to, to, to limit myself mm -hmm. do it on your range sessions physically leave a club home that you know that you're just going to wind up just mindlessly hitting at the range might be driver whatever right. didn't Phil do that at the open he didn't bring his driver at all like that one round i think so yeah because those guys restructure their bags <laughs> right, right. Low with driving irons and all that type of stuff but but i, I mean i, I can't be I smart do like that idea though leave sesh. it home mm -hmm. you know push yourself out of your if you're like i don't hit my three wood and I'm, I'm not comfortable with it like do a dedicated range session with your three wood makes sense uh, it only took me a couple holes to start to feel like i was grooving it and now yeah. i feel like i've got a club in my bag i can possibly start to hit a little bit more there you go so so anyway i hope you guys enjoy that video we'll have that out for you really soon i want to do our twitter tap in segment before we uh move into talking about pitch shots uh this week's twitter tap in is brought to you by drafts kings uh the pga tour is back yes. not only are we back the yes. pga tour is back man i, I say it with so much excitement i'm just so happy to see it back um, but that's right. We've got a full season of, of, of weekend golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prizes don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings, the official daily game fantasy game of the PGA Tour, is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. So it's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday. Then sit back, follow the action. Uh, the more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some uh, some serious green. So rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing positions, and more. Uh, and it doesn't get any closer to a major than this with the heavy hitters that are out there. I mean, this field is stacked this it week, is. Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, a million dollars. Up for grabs at DraftKings. So download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code TGP20. Easy to remember. The Golf Podcast 20. TGP20. You're going to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. So that's promo code TGP20. You get a free shot at a million dollars. Who doesn't like a free shot? Seriously. At a million bucks. Mm -hmm. You're going to watch in the tournament anyway. Right, right. Pick, pick six players and let's go. And you right? can win a million bucks on Yeah, you win a like that. So it's going to be on, on your first deposit only at DraftKings. Uh, it's a minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus require a 25-time uh, playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. Twitter tapping. Um, this week... We asked, and like I said, I always say, if you're not already following us on Twitter, do so, so you can be part of our Twitter tap-in segment. And this week we asked, what age did you first start playing golf? And um, a common thing, I saw a lot of responses here that I want to dive into, Mike, but a common thing, a lot of people seem to share this path where they start at least informally at a young age mm -hmm. and then have a restart uh, at a later age where they start to dive in in a more serious way. Kind of like you. Kind of like me. Mm -hmm. um, 
I started personally, I don't remember the exact age, but it had to be around 12. Uh, I started just because my father was out there playing and I wanted to play. It looked interesting. I remember watching Tiger. Mm -hmm. I still remember, again, 1999 and th those even earlier than that, 1996. Uh, I mean, that, at that point, I'm 15 years old uh, and I'm watching Tiger do what he did at Augusta and things like that. And it just kind of really ramped it up. And I'm sure that's a similar story for a lot of people. But 12 and then i played through high through high school but then completely shut it down gave up the game didn't pick up a club for 10 years until after got my career started and things like that and started getting back into it and the career is where you started that's right, right. yeah because i wanted to get into it for business so it started for me about 22 23 like right after college i played a couple of times while in college home you know whatever over the summer with my father brothers things like that but it was never serious i didn't really have a passion for it i didn't really yeah. care for it. i didn't watch golf on tv uh that much i wasn't into that like prime tiger even you know i wasn't even around for that uh, i was a big um yankee fan like diehard yeah. season ticket holder yankee fan and that was my sport my passion sport so as a baseball player in high school you know it just transitioned into golf for the business world and that's where i just fell in love with it yeah and, and i think again business is a thing that leads a lot of people into it mm -hmm. but it's it's a common thing where people get away from it um mike Ryder, who's a uh regular listener mike always appreciate you uh you jumping in there he said uh he started at age 11 but stopped in 1993 when he had kids for a long time just got back into it in 2010 so in our case it was school or career uh in his case kids there's a lot of things that can kind of get in the way because golf can be a little bit of a time-consuming thing but what i like about it is it is something you can get back right. into you and i are not getting back into playing baseball right? <laughs> <laughs> you know i had my second run at it in, uh, in a wooden bat league right after yep. college uh but you get to a point a softball you know, league yeah like, you know, but yeah. It, th that's the only thing about it um Here's another one, uh, our own Ed D'Atuza. He said, started playing at 18, but I really committed uh, to getting better when I hit around 30-ish. Something changed. I went from just having fun uh, playing... Uh uh, having fun playing to trying to get as good as I could at it. He said, still chasing the good part. Still chasing the good. That's cool. I think that's that tipping point with golf where you really fall in love with it. You, a lot of guys, like the, the entry is your boys are out there playing. You go out and you want to like maybe, you know, have a couple beers, you're outside, you're right. having fun, it's like being at the park, whatever. But then there becomes this, this point where you just kind of get bit by that bug and you're like, wait a minute, I don't want to just be out here having a beer. I, I want to play. I want to play. I, I want to score. Play, I wanna, right? Yeah. And that's when all of a sudden things change. Mm -hmm. You know, you start hitting the range. Yep. You start, you know, diving in and watching instructional stuff or getting some lessons. But um, we got Andrew, six years old and currently 16. Same with Ocean, 76, 75. Started at five. I'm now 15. So both guys are 10 years strong, starting at a young age. I love seeing that because I have a seven-year-old daughter who's just started about a couple years ago. Six seems to be a very common age. Mm -hmm. I think it's a point where you can start to play where you can actually control the club a little bit. Yep. And you have the attention span to kind of stick with it. So it's right. a common age. Uh, Nathan Brun says 13-ish. I'm 37 now. Been a minute. <laughs> but again, minute. that's what I like. You can play this game for a very, very long time. Uh, I like this one. Orson Rosas says, I started playing pitch and putts in a par three courses at 17. Didn't play a true 18 course, 18 hole course until I was 25. And I love this because I encourage that. If you're yes. getting into the game, hit these pitch and putts, these par threes. We love them. I mean, it's great for us. We work on short games and irons, but even if you're new, and it keeps keeps out most of the frustration you'd have with a par five, I think. Yeah. You know, if you're new, it's a great place to get out there and learn the swing. I would argue it's the best way to learn it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm trying to remember now, and we're going back probably four years, but we had somebody on the podcast, the guy who, who quit his job to become like a, a, a professional. The Dan Plan? Yes, Dan Plan. <laughs> wow. Thank God you got a good remember. He was into 10,000 hours. 
And I don't even know where he landed after that. That was a fun interview. But what I do remember was that he was he started older in life, so he had a plan of how he was going to start. And he said, I started from the cup and moved my way out. I learned to putt, then I learned to chip, then I learned to pitch. And, he's, and, and we all do it the other way. You know, yeah. and a lot of times we spend so much time because we want to have a great swing right. that we never really think about. It takes us a while to really get to taking the short game seriously. Mm-hmm. You could put me in that in that box, and and I pay for it now. So it's something that's great if you can learn it. Dan failed. There's a whole article about him on the Atlantic. The average guy who spent six thousand and three hours trying to be a professional golfer, he quit at six thousand and three hours. Oh, well, he quit at six thousand. He should have just pushed that. Listen, take it to 4K. ten. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. No, God probably, knows the reason. We don't know the reason. Some, I didn't read maybe the article. It was a disaster or something. I got to go back and read this. Now later. we got to find out. <laughs> um, Kevin Smith says late twenties. As soon as I lost the step on the basketball court, again, you know, mm-hmm, gets, mm-hmm. it happens. Like they said, baseball, whatever. Um, but I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, let's see. There's so many here. Uh, Michael Turner, somewhere before age ten. Um, let's see, a lot of lot of good responses. I appreciate everybody who wrote in uh, here. Seven years old. Um, let's see, got a forty here. Forty later in life, about yeah. two years ago at age forty-two, sitting on an eight handicap now. Zach Mexon says, uh, "Pretty sure I was getting around with a cut down four iron and a putter from about four years old." Nice, and that's that's yeah, that's describing our kids. Yep. I had I had my daughter going and she I've been working on which we'll talk about you know some stuff at home and chipping and and stuff like that in the backyard and she's got her clubs out yeah she doesn't doesn't get it at all because I mean within two seconds I caught her she's got her her driver on the blacktop yep just scraping it just scraping it yep. and just like aiming at her two year old sister yep that's and I'm it. like whoa we gotta start with some ground rules here first <laughs> yeah. of all there's rules <laughs> don't aim at anyone uh, and then and I could see all my my neighbors just kind of like wincing yep. thinking about their windows um, but yeah so it, it's just if anything I think this week's Twitter tap improves that there's no correct age to start mm-hmm. um, j- you know, if you did start young you've got a little bit of a jump start on some people but people start all different ages um, Jeremy, how old were you when you started? 17. 17. So here's a great example. Jeremy, who you guys may have saw in, in the video recently at Black Bear, he's only been playing for three years, already down to a six handicap. Kid's got an amazing yeah. swing. Swing speed. Like I said, I, I would kill as I'm editing. I would kill to be able to turn on the ball. Like I could fire my hips like that. Just anything in life. But that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's great. But I, I would say don't get discouraged if you're not somebody who started really young. If yep. you didn't get that jump, you can still get to that point where you're winning your club championship yeah, and things sure. like that. So it's all a matter of how much time you put in and how much work you put in. I love it. All right. Wrap up the Twitter tap. And let, what do you say? Let's do a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to talk about how to pitch it like the pros. Yeah, let's do it. So guys, the all new ShotScope V3s are almost here. I mean, by the time you listen to this, it's almost mid-June. So we're getting close to the release. But uh, guys, if you don't know what the shot scope is if you're new to the show the shot scope is a stat tracking watch and gps watch that you know you use right out on the course um Love the product. Love the team at ShotScope. They're avid golfers. They're very smart people. And we've been over there to Scotland hanging out with a bunch of the folks at uh, ShotScope. We played a bunch of rounds over there with them. We just absolutely love the product. And for those of you on YouTube or or Facebook watching this, I got a little something right here. Uh We're just going to keep it a little hidden. Uh, But not much longer the way. Not much longer. Not much longer. So, guys, more info is going to come out soon when we could share this stuff with you. But ShotScope, the V3, is coming. It's the brand new edition of their watch. And they've got a G3 
and a V3, and the G3 is GPS only. So if you're not into the whole stat tracking thing, that's fine. You're going to get a watch with some killer GPS, which we've you know proven. I wore this thing the other day, by the way, the new one. It's so good. Uh, GPS was really spot on. But real soon, check it out. Check out the new launch offers. The G3 is going to launch at $159.99, and the V3 with stat tracking capability is $179.99. So again, guys, more to come on that. I know we're, you're super excited as well. I'm I can't super wait. Excited. I think it's going to be the, the best bang for a buck out there as soon as it hits. Yeah. yeah. Great feedback that I have from last uh, from Sunday. Uh, and lastly, just want to thank FootJoy. Guys, FootJoy, they know that the swing starts from the ground up. I mean, you could take on those uphill, downhill, and sidehill lies. That's why FootJoy provides the low... the Sorry, provides the footwear that you need for superior traction and stability on every single shot. So whether it's the all-new Pro SLs, Frank, you wore those yesterday. Yep. The, it's the oh. hottest shoe on tour, and the max performance of the all-new Tour X, which I wore on Sunday. The all-around comfort which and performance. Which you haven't taken off. I haven't taken them off. I slept in them the other night. Yeah, yeah. So I love them. Uh, the performance of the FJ Furies, which is your favorite shoe, yep. uh, and a number of other shoes like the Flex, which is my favorite, and and you know, and so on and so forth. They've got a ton of new shoes out there. Check them out. Find the right shoe for your golf game. Shop now at footjoy.com yeah so let's talk a little bit about the pitch shot and, and again we know that uh, from you guys out there as an audience there's a wide range of people listening you know from people who literally and we know this from the comments from people who have contacted us uh people who have just picked up the game to people who are you know scratch golfers been playing for a long time so we try to work in a little bit of something for everyone into these um but again not skipping too far ahead for some of our newer golfers out there just kind of defining a little bit of pitch shot it's basically it's a shot that's longer than a chip but not long enough to be classified as a full swing um, and it's a very important shot it's another one of those scoring shots but yet surprisingly or maybe unsurprisingly it really gets widely overlooked um, mm -hmm. it's something that again we talk about what separates like the really good golfers the top level golfers from every day you know weekend hack type of golfers and a lot of it you can just watch what they practice you know we've been to the pga tour events and sure it's great to go out there and watch them smoke some on the driving range yep. right but what often doesn't happen, the crowds are not as big around, are the short game facilities. And that's where you see the guys every time. I mean, we see Tiger, whoever it is, drop a bag of balls and work on these fifty, these shots about 50 yards out, just pitching it to the green, chipping it to the green. And that's when you start to realize that they know that that's where the scoring happens. So if you think about it, even if you're able to, let's say you're on a par five and you're able to move the ball nicely, a long par five, right? You got a good drive, you hit, you hit your second shot really nice, and now you're 50 yards out from the green. Mm -hmm. If the wheels come off there, you know, you're in a lot of trouble. So sure, it took you two shots to get from 500 yards to 50 yards out. But now if it takes you another four or five shots to put right. it in the cup, mm -hmm. that's when the, the really the scoring starts to add up. And that's something that I've been lamenting with a little bit. And it really comes down to if you can rely on these things, like a pitch shot that you're able to put on that green and close enough that you can get it down in, in two putts, that's when your scores are going to really start changing. Um so pitch shots, it can happen in a lot of different places. Uh, one place for sure could be if you get in a little bit of trouble on par four. Uh, I think we'd all like to think that we hit the green on our second shot on every mm -hmm. par four, but the reality is just not so much, um, especially if you go through those times where you're struggling off the tee uh, and you're, you're playing these tight courses. I'm thinking Black Bear immediately, and I'm thinking about those times where you push it right towards the woods and have to be in a dicey situation where you can't put a full swing on it and get it towards the green, and you've got to punch it back 
back towards the fairway or uh, a fairway bunker that uh, doesn't yep. allow you to reach. Um, that's where you're going to end up with some sort of distance to cover. Maybe it's 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards. And it's something that you're going to have to have that pitch shot because chances are, I mean, uh, depending on, on your swing speed, I can't imagine being able to take a full swing with any club and have it go only 30 yards. Right. Right. I mean, we're not playing these huge Phil right. Mickelson flops. So 30 yard shot, it's going to be defined as something less than a full swing. Right. And that's where everything kind of goes out the window. So take hole <laughs> three on uh, yesterday, for example, is that par five I just talked about. I went three wood, then I went six iron. And then I had an, I think I had like 78 to the hole, to the green. Yeah, and I ended up chunking it because I had to take a half swing or, or a three quarter swing. Yeah, and everything went out the window. So these I struggle with. Chip shots around the green, love them. I feel like I'm super confident with them. I think approach shots further than one twenty and out, but right in the middle, boom. That's my, and that's, and my that's struggle. what it really comes down to practicing it. Because you think about it, it makes sense, intuitive sense. If you're taking in your practice, maybe your practice session is a range session. If you're taking a lot of full swings and when you're out on the course, a lot of your shots are full swings, mm -hmm. you become comfortable with it. You become adept to it. You, you start to get your timing right. You start to get your tempo right. Right. But if you're not taking a lot of half or three quarter swings, you can't expect to have your timing and tempo right on those. And it messes with it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I, you know, you Sam, how you said you struggle with that. I struggle with the, sometimes a deceleration of mm -hmm. not trusting it whatever it may be um speaking of which i kind of had that problem with not being able to rely on my chipping and I, this is something i've been working a lot on my backyard and it's funny even when you do something right you can kind of still learn i i had that one chip in which is great yeah, i posted it on my social awesome. whatever but that was one out of probably 10 chips that went my way that day. Mm -hmm. And again, comfort zone, because you had stolen my 52, which is my chipping club, I'm trying to chip with my 60. And again, it makes me realize I need to diversify my practice. But one thing I learned, I watched it back, and someone made a comment on my, my Instagram. They said, your hands look like they're way forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh, you're right. Interesting. So I start diving into it. I'm pr I was pressing my hand so far forward. I effectively took the entire bounce out of the club. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm coming at that ground blade first. So in that particular case, I caught it just right and it might've been propped up a little bit in the rough. But you think about it, there was a couple times out there I chunked my chips. Mm -hmm. Remember, they would they'd go nowhere. Right. Because without that bounce to slide along the ground, that's yeah. what that, that club is designed for. When me leaning that shaft so far forward, because I think the reason I was doing it subconsciously was de-lofting the 60. Yes. Because I'm used to a 52. Right. And I'm pushing it forward. And what's happening is instead of it, what the wedge is designed to do, which is get, grab that ground and glide across it, mm -hmm. it grabbed that ground like a knife. It just don't stopped. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I learned something even from that. But anyway, interesting. I digress. So you, like you said, we said trouble on a par four. Another one getting close on a par five. Yep. That's a good example. You don't reach in in, in two, which most of the time we don't. You're going to be faced with some sort of shot that's usually, unless it's an incredibly long par five, you know, under a hundred yards. Or another thing could be difficult weather conditions. If you've got a lot of wind blowing and you're not reaching greens, it's true. You're mm -hmm. going to end up with that. So there's going to be situations. First thing is. Being aware of that, if you're aware of it, you know you need to learn it, you know you need to practice it. So one thing you could do is you can think of a pitch shot as kind of a mini swing. Um, and as part of this, I, this is something that I'm learning as I go. I'm starting to think of that even chipping this way. I think what I end up doing, especially with chipping, I was getting way too much hands involved, right? Not using the rotation of the body. Mm -hmm. um, great video. You know, Shout out to uh, Mr. Short Game, right? Uh, I... His videos come up more and more when I'm looking for instruction online. And he had something, um, 
I got to look up the exact video, but it was something having to do with Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan, uh, he had a tip for for chipping where he was just showing how to like lock that that right elbow in and just use the turn of your body, right, and use that rotation. And I started doing that, and then I started doing that with these pitch shots, and I realized that when you start to try to like finesse the ball because it's under a full swing, it's a tendency to try to just kind of swing it with your arms. Right, yep. But if you think of it like as golfers we learn, a full swing it's your it's your rotation of your body and your hips that drive the swing, mm-hmm. right? If you could start to think, well, it's like that on a pitch shot too, it's going to change the way you pitch. So think about that next time you're out there. When you, when you do a pitch shot, are you swinging more with your arms? Are you letting, not letting go of your normal rotational fundamentals? I think I am using more arms because I'm, I'm – I feel like I don't need to get a full body through it. Right. So I'm just kind of like fanning at like noodles. Yeah, yeah. And everything is just going. And the consistency goes right. away. Yep. So, and and what I also found, and I found this interesting, and, and he mentions it in that video with the Mr. Short Game video, but um, as you get more accustomed to using your rotation in those slower, smaller moves, you benefit from it all the way up the bag because you start to realize more how much this game is a rotation game. Right. You use those hips. So that's a big thing. Another thing is keeping a really firm lead wrist. So uh, assuming if you're a righty golfer, we're talking about your left your left arm. If you can keep that left wrist firm, it's going to be able to bring you into a much better impact position. Again, if you're getting two hands and armsy, there's that tendency to kind of just – kind of fl- fl- break the wrist and do that flipping thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, and trying to just kind of finesse it up onto the green and get especially a shorter, maybe a 20 yard shot. But instead, again, keep that left wrist straight and then just use that rotation. Um, a great way to practice this, just like we talked about last week in flipping is that one arm drill. Um, just try taking some pitch shots using just your left arm for a righty. Just get that feel of where that arm should be. And essentially that arm is just staying there and the body is just pulling it through. Let the body just rotate and pull that arm through versus the opposite where the, the body kind of stays kind of rigid and the arms just kind of swing and try to like right. mm-hmm. hit that ball. That can be a more, more important with getting that really good uh, strike. And then another thing would be trying to keep that steady head I still say, we've talked about this before, keeping your head down sometimes is a little bit of a misnomer um, because sometimes people so dead focused on keeping their head down, they keep it down too long and they don't have the motion they need, but a steady head. And what that'll tell you is, are you swaying? So a sway, we lose power. So if you start to, if you notice in your, and a great thing you can do, we say this with everything, but grab your phone, set it up when you're taking your, you know, on your range session, hitting your pitch shots, record yourself. You know, there's, there's a lot you can learn on the range. There's a lot you can learn when you get back home, when you're sitting in bed before you go to sleep and you're watching your shot, your shots back. I do that. Right. You know? <laughs> and you start watching it and you realize, okay, moving in slow motion. Are, if you're starting to see that body and head sway around, that's what you need to try to keep that in one place and just rotate around. It all comes back to like Spreck teaches that's us. It. I was thinking Spreck. Balance and rotation. It right. doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, so that's on the execution part. On the strategy part, very important to have a clear plan. Uh, no, a lot of us just think it's a 50-yard shot and there's the pin. And then the thinking stops. Right. The, the better way of thinking is <laughs> pick a, a very specific landing spot. They say like aim small, miss small, right? Mm-hmm. The more specific you can be. And this is what I've been practicing in my backyard now. Obviously, I have a, I have a small backyard. And I can't practice a 50-yard pitch. But 10 yards, 20 yards, what I've been doing is just trying to pick landing spots, like little dark spots on the lawn right. or whatever it sure. may be, a little root that's sticking out, mm-hmm. and just try to make that be my landing spot and just try to work on landing it. And if you can choose a really good landing po- spot, it's going to be – 
it's going to give you something specific to aim at rather than just a general, there's the pin. I want it somewhere near it. Um, and it's really going to help it, practice it, practice a good, a, a good spot to do it again on the range where sometimes you see this big wide open range. All we do is we think about our swing and not where it goes. Uh, those flags are out there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Pick something, pitch to it, make it be your, not just your, your ultimate target, but your landing spot target. That's going to really help. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and the last point, uh, a tip here, and we could obviously, just like anything in golf, we could talk about this forever. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. So there's even more that goes into a good pitch shot than what we're saying here. But I think these are the types of things that whether you're a new golfer or say you've been around it for a while, it's that checklist you can run through. I'm just saying, am I hitting all these points? Because these are like kind of the ingredients to a good pitch shot. But another one, sorry, we just uh, we <laughs> froze for a second there. The, the, uh, the growing pains of getting back into the rhythm of being an HQ. We'll, we'll get back. We'll get back. We'll get back. <laughs> so um, anyway, finding a good place to practice is really important. Um, there's just sadly not enough great short game facilities out there. I have a solution. Okay, I'm ready. Shag bag and a local park. Yeah. If you can find one, if you have one and nearby. if you're allowed. If a lot you're of places like no, no golf. Well, if there's no signs and you're allowed to take a couple pitch shots, I mean, if you're only working on those 40, 50 yarders, I think it's a good spot. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't yep. agree more. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Yeah. A lot of parks, it's, it's about that distance, 30, 40 yards. Right. So uh, 100%. But I would love to see more. And I know space is limited. It's costly. I know those things. But to see more golf courses um, put in practice facilities yeah. like that. Like I mean, Baltus we got this drive range. Yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> Baltusrol. I'm thinking, I mean, of course, we're naming some very high dollar places. Right. But of course. Baltusrol, um, Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. that spot that Kevin Sprecker's got down yeah, the there. Yeah, spot plus a short game area. I mean, it just makes you want to work on your short game. Uh huh. You know? Yep. But um, it's about like a hundred yard spot and you can just pitch it from all different places to different targets. But that's great. But no matter what, you can find a place. Like I said, if it's a park, if it's going down to your local range and just ignoring everything that's out there and just picking that first 50 yard flag, yep. um, whatever it is, you know, get out there and, and just start working on it. Work on that technique, using the rotation, keeping that lead wrist, that lead arm, you know, as, as, as straight as you can and, and keeping that steady head. So you're not all over the place, you know, firm lead wrist straight, you know, not moving your head around too much. Um, and that rotation. I mean, I can't drive this home enough. And it's a large part because I'm driving it home even for myself because I'm really focusing on this. I'm realizing how much I don't rotate yep. and rotating, just letting that happen. And you won't have to rely on things like timing and this finesse. It'll be a lot easier. So those are the things you can do. But as always, we'd love to hear the feedback from you guys. If you've got something, if you've got a pitch shot drill or something that's really worked well for you let us know post them in the comments uh you can tweet at us at golficity uh and you can also oh as always share them in the facebook group uh we we love that for that purpose and we've got a lot of great instructors in that group yeah we definitely do so i've been seeing um some great feedback from people who have specific problems they've been posting in, in their some of their videos of their swing and having people hop in there and help out so um Definitely check that out. Let us know. Uh, how's your how's your pitch game? How are you from the 50, 30 to 50 yards? Uh, I know it's something that I'll be working on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you can get to the show notes of everything we talked about today by going to golfisty.com slash episode 327. And we'll see everybody again next week. 